it is Adam, and we had the opportunity to speak with Zachary Gray of the Zolas over Zoom video. Zach talks about being born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. He comes from a very musical family. His father is a composer and writer, and he wrote a big uh, play that went on to Broadway. So Zach talks to us about growing up in that household. He didn't really strive to be a musician professionally until he went to college. He ended up trying out for a band, not getting that gig, but forming a band shortly after that. He talked to us about the success of his previous band, Lotus Child, forming the Zolas, getting his song on the radio for the first time, the success of the Zolas' previous records, and their brand new album they just released called Come Back to Life. You can watch our interview with Zach on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with the Zolas. This is all about you, uh, your journey in music. We'll talk about the Zolas and what you guys have going on as well. Great, man. Cool. Um, I know you're from a musical household. Uh, so first off, tell me, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in, uh, in a, a city called Vancouver, which is in Canada, um, not far from Seattle. Uh, and uh, that's it. Man. Yeah, I grew up on, on Musqueam territory in, uh, uh, in, in Canada. <laughs> right on. And yeah. your, your dad's a composer. Yeah, man. My dad like never really had a real job. He was a playwright for a long time. He wrote musicals and that was sort of how he got uh, the seed money for like um, having me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So like that was, that was his one, his one major thing. He had this one hit play, um, which, uh, which was, is directly resulted in me being born. And then, um, and then after that, he switched to, uh, to writing novels. And now he writes like, uh, historical fiction novels, uh, um, usually mysteries and stuff like that. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's cool. So he's not yeah, doing, he's not writing musicals anymore. No, no. He's hella jaded about the, the, into that industry, the, uh, theater industry he likes to be a loner now and just like sit at home and write and he's quite prolific he's he shows more work ethic than anyone i know actually he he's he's 74 i think or mm -hmm. yeah and he still goes he still wakes up every morning at like six and writes for three hours and then has coffee and then writes until five it's wow like it's, it's and it, and he doesn't really take days off that's just what he likes to do he's like a real artist Mm -hmm, I, sure. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't inherit any of that. <laughs> I would have been. Nothing. I was going to ask. Do you have? Did did that kind of rub off? Do you do a similar thing no. as far as how your writing goes? No, no way. I'm way more social than him, so I I like to be around people, and and so you can't really um, set that rigid a schedule for yourself. Sure. Um, and also, I just don't work as hard. He's <laughs> he. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess I like other things too much. I don't know. Sure. I, why am I not as good as my dad? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, there's a, I'm sure there's a piano in the house. Is that where you started? Very true. Yeah. Piano in the house. Lots of very classic uh, pictures of the, of the baby on a sheepskin blanket on top of the piano while somebody, somebody plays. And uh, yeah, so I was always, I grew up listening to music and um, 
through him. And then he, one thing that's cool about my dad is that he never got stuck in any particular era. Like if, as far as like trivia goes, if you ask him about sixties music, he can answer anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so that's sort of the era, that's the era where he was paying the most attention to music, but he never stopped looking for new stuff. So he, he like fell in love with Arcade Fire uh, wow. when they right before they became popular, and I hadn't even really heard of them. And my dad had discovered them and was championing them. And then that's um, cool. But previous to that, I, the funniest story about my dad and and music is, um, I remember when I was like ten or how old would I have been? Yes, yeah, so I was. I mean, around ten. And uh, he picked me up from baseball practice, and we were walking home together. And, uh, and he was quiet and he finally, he broke the silence and said, kind of looked off in the distance. He's like, very sad day today, son. And, uh, I'm just like wearing my baseball outfit. I'm like, why, what do you, what do you mean that dad? And he's like, uh, have you heard of a band called Nirvana? And, uh, and I was like, no, <laughs> never heard of them. And he's like, yeah, well, they're a really cool band. And I, I, and their, their singer just, uh, just killed himself. And I, uh, I kind of feel like if yeah, he would have been the next John Lennon, if he hadn't. And, uh, and I'm really sad about it. And then he, he walked me home and then before getting changed, he sat me down in my baseball outfit in his office and made me listen to in utero from front to back. <laughs> Whoa, that is rad. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. obviously, yeah. I mean, when you say arcade fire, I'm like, okay, he really did kind of dive into you know, not the mainstream as far as, although they did get that Grammy or whatever it was, like people were like, what is going on? But uh, that, I mean, in Nirvana and and have that really kind of, you know, settle it, you know, drive home to him. Like that's pretty impressive. It's it's impressive. It's impressive. I really hope. And I, so far that is a way that I've taken after my dad is I've never gotten too, uh, too caught up in, in one, in like, just settling with what I, what I love now mm-hmm. and not looking for new stuff. I, I feel like everyone should strive to keep looking for new music, even if it starts to be made by people who are way younger than you or way detached from your situation. Like you got to still um, seek out new stuff. You, you know, you had the piano in the house. Was that something you gravitated towards? Was it something that your dad wanted you to play? And was that the first instrument you learned? Yeah, I did. But then I quit pretty quick. I hated practicing. So I didn't want to do that. And my dad had a massive like existential crisis about me growing up without music. And his, his, his like sort of younger, cooler friend was like, dude, relax, just, just leave a a guitar lying around the house. And then when he hits that age, he'll pick it up. So then don't worry about it. And that's exactly what happened. What, what was that age? 15. 15 okay Honestly, yeah no, it might have been 14 yeah 14 or 15 yeah so you didn't uh, you stopped playing piano and you you weren't you were just what playing sports i mean you said baseball so were you doing that up until 15 i was in sports and and theater as a kid and i sang in a choir and i was i was like a very overscheduled kid for a long okay. time and then yeah i picked up the guitar when it became important for me to um to come across as deep and soulful to um girls in high school um <laughs> and uh and yeah that was sort of that was the beginning of of starting to think about music but i honestly like didn't even consider being a musician until well past 
well past starting university. Like, I, I think if you'd asked me, even when I was graduating high school, what I was going to do it probably would have been uh, pro pro soccer player, maybe. I don't know. Oh, really? So you were still yeah. really involved in sports. Well, you were in choir and mm -hmm. you said chorus and, and was it musical theater or just theater in general? Both. Yeah. Okay. Both. I, was, I was into all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I liked sports a lot and, and I thought that maybe I could be a, a, a good enough goaltender in soccer, but mm -hmm. I was not. I definitely could not have been. So it's very good that I didn't end up doing that. Did you go to university for soccer? No. Uh, okay. I went for, I just w went to the close university at my, um, to my house. And I, uh, I went, uh, I took uh, history and English eventually. And then I got really into uh, ultimate Frisbee and I gave up soccer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, as you do in university. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I got very, very serious about ultimate for a while. And then I had like Olympic dreams. I was like, okay, ultimate, I'm, it's going to be an Olympic sport while I'm still in my prime. Let's do this. And then it, it was not. Uh, it, and, but there's a chance. What I heard was the Olympic format now is the host country gets to add a sport or two, or maybe ten, five sports um, for their, when they are hosting and LA is hosting the next one. And so there's some discussion that maybe ultimate Frisbee will be on that list, which would be so cool. And I, really? I, won't, I won't be there, but yeah, it, it'll, I'll be watching. It'll be so, so cool. That's cool. Yeah. I grew up skateboarding and this was the first year that skateboarding was in the Olympics. Was that exciting for you? Oh, it was so exciting. And it was crazy because the guy that won like the street, which I always watched and I'm so yeah. out of touch with it. I didn't really, I recognized a couple of the guy's names, but I'm like, you know, yeah. I was skating in the nineties. Um, yeah. but the guy that won it was from Japan and he was incredible. It was crazy to watch. Why are the Japanese so good at skateboarding? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> There's so they, many good pros from, from there. Didn't they sweep like all the medals basically? Like I know the, the women were mostly Japanese who won and they're um, not, they weren't even women. They were kids. Right. Yeah. They're all kids. They're crazy young. Um, yeah. I'm not sure in, I think. In, at least I only I didn't watch the verb because it's just not as interesting yeah. to me. Um, yeah, yeah. But the street, the the Japanese guy got gold, and then it was two American guys okay, under okay. him. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, he destroyed them. It was like unreal how good he was, and especially in the I think he got gold in both the street and the best trick, and it was just wow. What was his best trick? Do you remember? Um. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it was like. He did some like 360 to a grind on this. Like it was like a staircase and like a big gap and then like a rail. And he was, and he, he did like three, I think they add up your points somehow. And he like did three tricks that he landed perfectly in a row. And no, nobody else could, could even come close to doing that. Like the other, two, the other guys like landed like one or two <laughs> right, right. and he just like wow. straight up made it every time, like without even falling. It was, it was crazy. It's like, that's like that 14 year old diver, that girl from China. Did you see her? She, no, I watched a little bit of the diving, but I didn't see her. She's just noticeably way better than anybody else there. Like she, <laughs> she, she's really small and she's 14, but, but when she dives, like she, she lands in the water and nothing happens to the water. It's like, it's just like cuts CGI, through it. <laughs> CGI. And, and every other girl, like I want, I, I, when I started watching, I saw her diving and then she, I was like, wow, that was really, really good. I guess they're all really good now. And then I watched the next few divers 
from European countries or whatever. And they're all, I'm sure, very good. But compared to her, they just look like trash, just utter trash. And suddenly I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was a diving snob. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Man? <laughs> you guys are awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always watch yeah. that one in the, gym, the women's gymnastics because that's such a big like thing here in, in the United yeah. States, especially with all the controversy that went with it. And it was cool to yeah. see the girl, uh, the United States girl won like the all around women's and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and Simone doesn't need that hardware. She, the other girls, that they, yeah, they killed it. It's, can you imagine? Yeah, I know. I was like pretty surprised that she even came. I mean, it was cool that she came back and and did what she did the floor or something. I can't remember. She did like one event. Um, mm. But when she she bailed and they still won it, <laughs> it was like, yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. Can you imagine being that, being able to do flips like that? That would just be the coolest feeling. Oh, I know. And watching it, yeah. like the, when they do it on that, uh, the bar, not yeah, the, yeah, yeah, not the the the, the balance beam. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, I know. You could seriously kill yourself, like, yeah. like if you screw up, like at all. It's yeah, nuts. I know. <laughs> Man. Oh wow. Well, anyways, I wanted. To, okay, so you're in chorus, musical theater, yeah. and then that was just what you were just thought it was a fun thing. It wasn't. You weren't passionate about doing that as a profession. Not as a profession. I never. Even though my dad was was an artist uh by trade and uh i just never saw myself doing that i thought i'd be like a lawyer or a or a psychologist or something or or work for an ngo or i don't know what i thought i was going to do but then yeah in university a friend of mine joined a band and he suggested that i try out for that band and so i did and then they did not they did not choose me but it kind of made me want to start my own band and that really? was really started what, yeah. what did you go and what did you try to be a singer for them or what was your yeah just a singer i was just trying to be a singer and uh uh but yeah i don't need i don't even know i i don't i'd barely written any songs by that point i was a very late bloomer that way um I, yeah i really didn't think about really didn't think about being a musician until after second year of university and uh, what, did you that's when you started a band second that's uh, yeah, I started a band and uh, and we kept that going for quite a while and then um, and then and then started the Zolas like five years later. Oh wow, okay. So was that Lotus Child that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you mind touching on that band at all? Or yeah, that was just like a a uh, it was a a two person band. It was like a a very interesting. I don't know. I actually don't really have a good perspective on that band because, um, because it was a really, it's the kind of band that could never have happened except for the fact that there were the two, only two people in that band have had completely, almost, almost completely opposing taste in music. So we were always trying to, we were best friends, but we liked different stuff. And so the Zolas ended up being, sorry, uh, Lotus Child ended up being like this very tiny little sliver of overlap in our Venn diagram. And, um, and so that it, it was really interesting that way. Lots of piano, uh, because that's what my friend played and his name is Tom and, uh, and lots of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. We were really into Fiona Apple <laughs> and we were really into, um, the talking heads. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, that was, that was kind of our main influences, I think. 
there's probably more that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, that, that was a band that we, we kind of uh, started playing in small, small venues in, in Vancouver. And, uh, and then we got signed to a local label and that's the label that ended up um, signing the Zolas when I started that, when we started that. And you took, and Tom's in Zolas, right? In the Zolas? He, no? he was, he was, but he left like three years ago, four years ago now. Okay. Yeah. So he, he, you guys started Zolas together after yeah, we the did. Lotus we Child did. stopped. Yeah, exactly. We started a, uh, the Zolas as a new band. And, uh, and then, yeah, T- Tom was up in the band up until this album, basically. So he was, he was involved in the last album, Swooner. And then this new album that we released is the first album without Tom. Oh, wow. Okay. That's come yeah. back to life. Let's come back to life. Yeah. Okay. So when you started the, the Zolas, tell me about that transition. Was it, when I mean, you start this new band, did you have to like start from, did you feel like you're starting from scratch? I wouldn't say we were starting from scratch, uh, but we're starting from pretty much nothing because like the Lotus Child was only very, very regionally popular. And so um, we were just starting as a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all from scratch. I, I always, I think everyone always kind of feels like they're starting from scratch. I feel like I'm starting from scratch now. Like every, t- every time we release something, I feel like it's a new, a new mountain to climb. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, uh, when that band started, I don't know why. It's just, we had a bunch of songs that we thought were cool. And we, um, um, and I think originally the band started as, just because of this label was going to pay for us to record an album. And we were like, we didn't necessarily think we wanted to continue with a new band, but um, it seemed irresistible to just like hire a couple. So the Zolas were a result of you guys with Lotus child ended and you guys started the Zolas, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, And then uh, that was just a, uh, that was the beginning of, of this whole thing. And that's that the Zola started as a totally different band than we are now. It was still very piano based. Although, you know, to be honest, like I think people who, who have been with us since day one, they kind of like, there's a recognizable thing. It's kind of just always been my songs from my perspective, or at least Mm -hmm. songs from like my brain. And so it's comes across as the same band, but, um, but yeah, we started, we always were trying to write pop songs basically. And it just took us a long time to figure out how to, to make them actually come across as pop songs. Okay. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the, of, at the beginning of the, of the Zola's like we were genuinely just trying to write pop songs, but, but we didn't know how to simplify enough to make them actually come across that way. Mm-hmm. and um and that took a long time a lot, we weren't we were not we were not blessed with that gift right away so um now now our songs are like a lot well i don't know they're gonna get more we're kind of getting away from pop songs now to be honest but mm-hmm. um but for a while there we just wanted to write like big three minute bangers that mm-hmm. would sound good on the radio and you guys are able to con- you know to do that even on that first record so talk to me about like what was the first little success that you had the first success was just on canadian radio uh we we just started releasing songs that that really fit them 
fit what they were going for at that right now. Canadian radio is a strange zone because it's like, it's its own world. There's very few people, few acts who do well, well in Canadian radio. And then, and then like that bleeds down into the States or, or across the Atlantic or anything. Like if you're, if you do well in Canadian radio for some reason, sorry, if you do well in Canadian radio first, then for some reason it doesn't like leave Canada. If you succeed in the States first, like if you're Drake or if you're, uh, I don't know. The weekend. Uh, the weekend, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah, then you'll be you'll do great in Canada too. But if you start in Canada, it's a strange little maple ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because uh, well, I've I've been in or was in radio for about sixteen years, mm -hmm. and a band that we had on one of our shows when I was working in San Diego and played a very minimally on the air it was a band called the Arkells. Oh and yeah, they, yeah, I heard they're like. I was talking with somebody else quite recently. I forgot who it was, but they were talking about how Arkells are played up there all of the time. Like they're selling out like huge arenas. Yeah, they're in a, they're an arena band for real. They're they're like the uh, they're the new Tragically Hip, which was the the Canadian band from uh, that that like was just absolutely massive. Like the, honestly, Arkells might be the biggest. Well, I mean, I can't say that. The, the genres rock is such a niche genre now that mm -hmm. that to be the biggest rock band in Canada doesn't really mean that much. Um, well, it means you can play arenas and and uh, and buy houses and stuff, which is incredible. But it doesn't sure. the same as it would have been when rock was uh, was was actually mainstream. Like now, rock isn't so mainstream anymore. So right. But I just found it yeah. fascinating that they're playing arenas up there and then they play here in San Diego or uh, I'm in Nashville now, but when they play yeah. San Diego, they would be like an opener on a, on a show or they would play, you yeah. know, less than a thousand seats. Maple, maple syrup ceiling, man. I don't know. what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, it's honestly, it feels like I wish I knew I'd be so cool. It'd be great if we could, uh, go do a three-way call here with someone who works in Canadian radio. Cause I'd be so interested to hear what they think about like why, why music that does well in Canada never translates outside. Yeah. That's so, it's so interesting. Cause yeah. I mean, the Arkells are a great band and I'm just surprised that it didn't trickle down to a bigger effect. Like when I was, when the person told me that they were like an arena band yeah. up there, I was shocked. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they just played three nights in a row at a 12,000 capacity uh, place. That's insane. Um, I mean, good, great for them. They're awesome band, but it, to me, it oh, just yeah. is so shocking because they just didn't do that here. I know. I mean that it exists everywhere. Like think about like the band Kasabian from the UK. Oh, sure. I mean, they were, you know, in this, in the UK, at least they were as big as, I don't know, as big as anyone can be. Right, uh, arena band, but or Biffy Clyro play, is similar to them. I mean, they're massive there, and maybe even more so because I've yeah. barely even heard. I don't think I've even heard a Biffy Clyro song. I've heard the name, but I've never heard a song. Yeah, and they're like top of like the bills, and you know the bigger festivals out there too, like exactly. the headliner. <laughs> so it does happen, and I don't really know what the reason for that is. It's, it's not. I think there's just like. There's just maybe, maybe there's a sound, maybe there's a Canadian sound that just, uh, that radio programmers in Canada choose 
choose towards and but that just doesn't translate else, elsewhere or and the same for the uk but i don't know man uh and, it, and it's that reason why like we had like a lot of a lot of um canadian radio success with our last album called swooner mm-hmm. but then for this album because of i sort of took a look at like where you can get when you're doing well on canadian radio and and i just realized that that wasn't my goal i didn't really want to i didn't necessarily want to be just a huge canadian radio band because um i was never going to be able to be as broad um as broadly appealing as like arkells are to canadians so so my i just decided to stop thinking about making radio songs so this last album that we we put out come back to life is just like uh, I mean, if I was programming radio, there'd be a lot of songs on there, but, uh, but for the radio that exists, uh, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not designed for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a different world now. I mean, you, you, you're better off being successful in streaming numbers, I would assume, than radio hits. No, not with money. Nope. No, oh, not, really? Not for money. No. Cause like if, when you get radio play, you actually make quite a bit of money, uh, on the back end. Okay. And, oh, if you're getting, if you're like, a, if you get into like a current, if you're like a, you know, played 16 times a day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get, if you get heavier medium rotation, rotation you, yeah. And especially if you get played on satellite, I don't know where the hell that money comes from, but satellite money royalty, satellite radio royalties is like outrageously high. Um, really? Yeah. I do not know why. And you guys are on like the verge on XM and stuff, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 I've, I've, yeah. I've heard your songs on there. And they yeah. actually play quite a bit of Canadian bands on the verge, which is I think they're cool. based, I think they're based completely in Canada. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah, well, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Cause I'm like, they're playing Tegan and Sarah. And like, I know. You guy, I'm trying to think yeah. another, uh, other, I think they play Arkells, like just bands. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. Canadian no, band. Yeah. So like getting like a lot of satellite radio play, like you're not going to get rich, but you'll, it'll keep the lights on. But, um, but yeah, with streaming, no, like streaming, I can't, you know, we all know artists who have millions of followers on streaming in streaming and actually like can't sell tickets and can't like, they, you know, it, it doesn't translate to actual, actual hard ticket sales. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if that's even the goal. Like, what is the goal? Like if the goal is to be famous, then they're very successful at that. But if the goal is to at some point you do have to make a, make money and like, and, and not just make money, but make, make progress and have new experiences. Like for me, like I'm, I'm most thinking about like what kind of a life I want to live. I want to live the kind of life where I'm trying new things all the time. Mm -hmm. And that means touring to new places. And, and then with that, that's the only, that's something that comes only with, with real success Mm -hmm. and not necessarily streaming. But, but that said, like, uh, I feel like the la- the streaming landscape is incredibly good for music that doesn't, uh, that isn't just catchy and quick to the ears like a, like a, a radio song is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like put out, streaming is kind of designed for vibe pieces. And right. that's right. it's great to be able to put out a vibe piece and, and have that be on a playlist and get a lot of get a lot of uh streams off that mm-hmm. i'm not totally sure what it means um because 
we don't get paid for that shit. Um, but uh, I know it's wild. No, just one Swedish guy gets paid for that shit, and <laughs> and we get fam- we get to be famous. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Wow. Um, well, it, you talked about Swooner having some radio success in Canada. Did that help? As far as what we we talk about, hard tickets and and touring, was that something that it boost boosted for you guys? Huge boost in Canada, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was a big, yeah. One thing radio does is it definitely puts you into. I mean, it's kind of strange because I don't actually know anyone who listens to the radio. Uh, the only time I listen to it is when I'm in a car share, like in a um, yeah, like a Uber or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. So it's kind of strange that radio still matters, but it does. And I guess I still haven't really put my finger on it because it can't just be construction sites, <laughs> you know? It's construction sites and 7-Elevens <laughs> or whatever else. Is- not even 7-Elevens play the radio. They're all playing playlists. Oh, interesting. And Some I even- of them. Some liquor stores, I guess, maybe would be playing maybe, the radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love radio and I, I think that radio... I mean, radio is alive and well through the through through the podcast medium, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, but there's something about like you ever listen to radio like late at night where you know that I was you- on the radio late at night for <laughs> a lot of years, man. Yeah, <laughs> I did night. I did up until midnight. Yeah, for a lot of years, I was on from seven or six or seven o'clock in the afternoon till midnight. So did that, did that give you uh, what kind of uh, station were you at? Were you able, did that give you a bit of leeway where you were allowed to play stuff that you wanted to play or, or was uh, it? A- in, yeah. I mean, I've had, I had program directors over the years that one in particular, that was really cool about that. Like he yeah. gave me like an hour of time where I could play kind of what I wanted for, you know, maybe half the, half the hour and we yeah. kind of split it up that way. So like there'd obviously be the current records and then the, yeah then whatever like requests and stuff it was cool that is really cool. and we would do real cool stuff too like if blink played the sport the big sports arena downtown he would be he would get in you know backstage take a picture of the set list text it to me and then Ooh. i would load up the whole set list and then when people are leaving the venue we'd play be playing the whole show again on the air and i'd be calling yeah and i'd be like oh you know blah 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 and then people would call it it got really cool and really engaging you know what i mean that's a really cool idea yeah he was brilliant (laughs) that you can only do with radio where it's live you know Uh uh-huh and And we were one of the few stations that was had a live person at night exactly exactly i don't understand because there are people who would who would broadcast for basically for free like the radio station that we that we have a few local radio stations in this town and me and another couple people who um who are all like in well-known bands local bands um we tried to get them to let us just take over the radio station on like one night a week from i don't know what is it like it was like midnight to one or something like that and play what we wanted Mm -hmm. um and they didn't go for it that's Uh, crazy to me which seems crazy. And maybe they did the math and they're like, more people will listen to the, the bot or whatever we have sort of queued. Well, I mean, I don't know how ratings work in Canada, but in the States, they don't even rate those hours. They're not, oh, even, they're not even arbitrary. They're not even rated in, in right. the Nielsen rating system here. So yeah. like, 
you get rated from like 5 a.m. to midnight those hours right 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 and then over anything over that and those like four hour windows is just like that's why like the station i worked for was was our radio our signals in mexico so we had to play like the mexican national anthem at night and we had to play yeah like these mexican psas throughout the day um but we we had to like run these big chunks of their programming and they'd always be run in like you know 2 a.m for like 30 minutes just because right. it, it was never rated so they're like yeah we'll, we'll play it and then it would just be in the middle of the night when there was no it didn't matter if people were tuning out yeah see so they they had nothing to lose i don't know I mean, maybe i should try again they it that seems it seems like such a fun thing to do especially when it's not your real job and you know, right, every right. Day when you're just sort of moonlighting as a radio DJ, it sounds like an amazing thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. Like yeah. you said, though, it, I mean, for what you got, the return. I mean, nowadays, I mean, earlier in my career, you can make pretty good money, and then it kind of slowly, you know, as stuff went online, advertising went down. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. its own beast, but um, <laughs> you should ask. Say if, and then that should be your your thing, and be like, dude, they're not even. You don't even rate these hours. First, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Do you even get rate these? I don't know what the ratings. Like I said, maybe figure out what the rating process is there in in Canada, and and use that against I'm, them. I'm sure it's the same. There's no way that it's like any different than. It's still, yeah. it's still Nielsen. So it's like, Oh, it is still Nielsen. Yeah. It's probably the same exact thing. And then they don't rate certain hours. So there you go. Um, well, I want to talk to you about this new record. So right, where cool. were you guys at? Like when COVID happened, were you writing this album? No, no, we had just finished the album. We were, we were about to release it. Uh, right. When COVID happened, um, we had just finished shooting the, the last video that we were going to do. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was meant to come out in April and then COVID and then Tom Hanks went and got sick in. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so that was. I forgot. He was like the first guy that like the first like big name person that had it. I know. Since I I started saying instead of like when people we, I think we all try to figure out how to describe this period. So people say like since COVID, I haven't been what or whatever. And for me, it's always just been like man, I haven't seen you since Tom Hanks got a cough. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were ready to go. And then, and then that, that delayed things. And then, um, and then I think we were going to release something else, but then there was so much um, more important stuff going on in the world that I just didn't really want to release an album, uh, not mm-hmm. just COVID, but just, all sorts of political upheaval and and the Black Lives Matter movement was finally like gaining so much exposure that to like to put out music and and try to ask for for people's ears just felt incredibly whack to me. So mm-hmm. we postponed that too, um, and that was fun. I mean, I was I was actually really glad to do that. So yeah, we just sort of been playing it by ear, and that's the thing that you can do these days. Is, yeah, you can sort of schedule things a year in advance, but you can also kind of be Kanye if you want to and release something uh, at spur of the moment. Right. Um, or say you're going to release something and then not release it at all. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, then, yeah, then, so, yeah, instead we decided to start releasing singles all throughout the summer and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that led us all the way to 2021 when this album finally came out exactly a year after it was supposed to. Wow. And was it always called Come Back to Life? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I knew I wanted to call it Come Back to Life before we'd even written a single song for it. I don't know why. You just knew that that, that had to be the record? That had to be the name. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, wow, they must have <laughs> tied this into the whole situation that was going on, and especially the tour, the Come Back to Life tour. I was like, oh, OK, this all makes sense. <laughs> I know. That's, makes, that's a, the funny thing about this album. Everything when when I wrote these songs, they all they felt like kind of niche notions that I was having uh, or or sort of songs about conversations that maybe only the people closest to me were having and then and then the world changed and through covid and through uh the social justice movement and through the like increasing inability to like not notice what climate change is doing suddenly all the things that we were i was writing about became became the only thing that people were talking about and and yeah, even as far as the the name making a sense, like it, it it was an album that that was it was a 2001 album written in 2019, and I don't know how that happened, but um, but sometimes you just like um, sometimes you're you're ahead of the wave, and sometimes you're behind it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I when I read the title and everything, and I was listening to the record, I was like, whoa, like this. It had to be something that you guys came up with. Over yeah, they really got things. Yeah, they started they really <laughs> like, had good turnaround. No, no, very slow turnaround. <laughs> very slow turnaround. And you have a tour coming up, right? Across Canada? Yeah, we have a tour across Canada. Uh, with any luck, that will happen. There are some, we're, we're, we're fourth waving it out here, starting to kind of like how California is, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some, some question as to whether those shows will get rescheduled, but I actually don't think they will. I think they're going to happen and it's going to be uh, as advertised the Come Back to Life tour. <laughs> awesome. And what have you played yet live or is this be the first time? No, this will be the first time, but we're playing most of these songs live. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be, we have such a cool show. Uh, we've already planned out what the show is going to look like and, and what, the set list will look like and all the little details that make a show feel special and like, and indelible in people's minds. And so, and I'm, we've already, we already know what that's going to be. I mean, we certainly had enough time to think about it. So, uh, so I'm just excited to, to play for people because like, as good as these songs are on record, like, and, and honestly, like I've never, I've never been more arrogant about anything that I've ever done. I've actually never been arrogant at all. Um, about about music that we put out it's always been tough like when you put out music you're either gonna be a normal person where like you are you're proud of it but you know it never turns out to be exactly what you are going for it it usually through the process and through working with people it turns out every bit as good as what you were hoping for but different and um but sometimes and I'd never had this feeling before with this, but with this record, for example, it turned out um, exactly how I wanted to. And it, and it creates this, um, it creates this very Kanye like uh, arrogance in you where you are just like, wow, I really executed exactly what I wanted to do. And, 
And then when that happens, it actually doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if people like it at all. I've never felt that way. I've always like put out stuff thinking that I liked it, but hoping that people liked it. And then this time, like I I'm, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. And so it actually doesn't matter. And for some reason that means that people like it more. That's awesome. I don't know. I, why. I love it. I love the record and I hope fingers crossed everything kind of continues where it's going as far as like your tour and you guys getting able to being able to play in oh, front man. of people here soon. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen, and, and yeah, I mean the the, the music is uh, it's not it it's not that similar to what's what else is out there right now to me, and 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 so I feel like people who like who like this stuff they they kind of only they only have us to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Zach, for doing this, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. I have one more question for you before I let you go real quick. Uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I only have one good piece of advice. Uh, no, I have two. I have two. I, I used to only have one. And my, my one used to be uh, figure out what the thing is that you do better than anyone else that you know and that you, you, have to, and, and that you love and do that and don't try to water it down for anyone because there's it's so much better in today's world to be a big fish in a little pond and if your little pond is like you happen to be the best uh like psych folk hip-hop trans artist of so any you know some incredibly obscure subgenre uh, in the past, that would mean like, okay, good, good news. There's only two people in your whole city that likes that music. But uh, in today's world, the, the two people in each city is a whole lot of people. And, and if you're the best at that particular genre, uh, you will have a career and you will be able to play to those people. Um, so that's my, that's my advice is like, don't, don't try to be popular than you are. Don't try to be um, anything other than what you do best. And don't and don't lose respect for the thing that you do best because a lot of people they something comes naturally to them and so they don't value it and so they try they want to do something that that um uh that's harder to them and they end up they end up sort of swimming against the current like I think you should swim with the current and the thing that you're great at you should just do that um, and the other thing I think you need to do is is you can't live in a small you can't live in a, in a, in a small town or even a small city and, and, um, and hope to rely on anything but luck. If you want to create your own luck, you got to move somewhere um, where there's a lot of people and there's a lot of um, people doing what you do and people working in the industry that you like and people who have things going on outside of your city. That's the one thing that I, that I would have liked to do is not rely so much on luck. Um, and I, if I was doing it over again, I would have moved to a bigger city where my friends would be people who have more stuff going on outside of a, outside of a, a, a sort of small fishing village, which is what Vancouver kind of is in a way. It may have a million people, but at its heart, it's a small town. So, um, so yeah, move somewhere good and, and play only what you're good at. 